Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Just a Couple Dudes Jack podcast. I'm your co-host, Eric Flattiger. I'm your co-host, Frank Lewandowski III, and we're missing the third guy, Anthony Cole. Yes. But we basically have one of our top guests on. We do. Yeah. This is a throwback because episode eight, we had this very special doctor on. We were just young guys at that time. I know. Yeah. Months ago. A few months ago. Pre-COVID. Before COVID. Yeah. Oh, Wow. Yeah, that's wild. But we have Gary Roses on, MD, MBA, good father. Yep. And he is a frontline COVID provider in the emergency room in an area where COVID is pretty prominent. So we're going to talk about as much as we can, obviously, with respect to HIPAA guidelines, things like that. But it's good to hear about what's actually going on on the front lines in Phoenix, which right now, uh, well, Vice President uh, Pence actually visited here in Arizona. Yeah, he did. Because we're Just the today. biggest hotspot in the country yeah. which is not a good thing no it's not right it's scary um, it people is scary. are scared it is scary but i think we have plenty of people that are trying we're trying our best i mean governor ducey is you know shutting down gyms bars and nightclubs which i hope it helps and water parks oh don't forget the water parks and movie theaters and movie that theaters aren't theaters even open that never yeah. opened yeah tubing I, specifically ooh, tubing can't right. go tubing the salt oh, river man yep. uh, but you can protest but you can protest yes okay yeah. yeah, I don't. Mm, gosh, it's hard. You know, like we talk about masks, right? Mm. We think it's better to wear one than not wear one. I think we can agree on that. It's better than yeah, we, nothing. Yeah, we right? we made some correlations. I don't think we should be upset at people or call them names or blame them for COVID because I look at COVID as the Hulk. There is not not much you can do. This thing is going to come run through you. You can redirect it. You can kind of slow it down. But honestly, it's going to hit us. It's a it's a hurricane. You know, we can do the best we can. I think there's not a lot we can control. We are trying our best. Um, I don't know, Gary. Like, how do you how do you kind of yeah, feel? Yeah, I agree. Like, even the whole idea of bending the curve, we weren't trying to eliminate the curve. Like, it's still going to come through. And so now that we're seeing that, that's we just have to do the best we can. And unfortunately, a lot of the data is it moves and there's new data and there's not enough of it yet. So yeah. I think, I mean, just throwing out some stuff in the beginning. I mean, we were getting data from China, right? Because that's mm-hmm. where it started in Wuhan. Um, I think we have to be skeptical of any research just as a good provider because, you know, what if the study is a small sample size or what if the study is very early on? You know, we used, we were told that ibuprofen wasn't good for COVID, right? It was a correlation. They found out there's actually no, nothing about that. We also found out that dexamethasone does pretty well. Very, it's a corticosteroid. It's used IV for patients that are intubated. And um, originally I thought there was something against anti-steroids, I thought. Like that's just showing how much evidence has changed. Yeah, it's like the you don't know what you know, we don't know what we don't know. There's just not mm-hmm. enough data points and now that we're getting further out we're getting a better idea, but still still in the midst of it right yeah. now. It's it's tough. And then we got Eric. Then you got me. Hey buddy. I'm just I'm just the Dean of students over here. I mean AKA kind of principal? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Wow. Don't know. Wow. Well, I could tell you this. I uh I try to be compassionate and empathetic. I think we just still need to be, there's a lot of people that are full of fear and then we need to still come with love and say, and have good education, do our best to understand. And you know, if someone lost their mom to COVID, regardless, that's just sad. So obviously you're going to take it a little bit more serious than someone else. You know, I work in two different settings, but I'm not in the ICU. You know, I want to say thank you to the ICU warriors because all they're doing all day long is they're in and out of two to four rooms because their ratios are higher now. There, there, I know ones specifically with PTSD from COVID, from patients dying over and over, and these people grasping for air and you can't do anything, you know? And so I don't have that direct experience. I try to be, I was in it as a nurse so I can relate to some of it. But again, all of us have our own lens on this thing. You know? Yeah, there's no clear cut. Like no one really knows. Like Dr. Fauci doesn't know. No, you I know. think, and I think, like I said, I got some hate on Facebook recently, but I like Dr. Fauci. I think he's doing yeah. a good job. The guy's been around a long time, but it's hard to put one physician as the focal point. And recently, we have really good stuff. Like uh, Dr. Rand Paul, senator from Kentucky, had a really good spiel. I put it, put it on Facebook. It was a seven-minute video where he cites a lot of evidence from Europe and how they opened the schools and there was no spike. There's also plenty of evidence now showing no transmission between children to adults and that kids really don't get sick. That's what I've seen in my clinical practice. Kids do really well. 
Well, on top of that, people were talking like like schools. So I work in education. People were talking like schools are just going to open, and everyone's like, "Well, you know, schools are this breeding ground for disease, and everyone gets sick." And I was like, "Well, they weren't going to open with no precautions, you know." Yeah. And I actually got on that same post. I had gotten into it with someone who was a teacher, you know, because she claims that her school district. Uh, had zero, nothing in place other than wearing a mask. And I was like, well, that's just not true because I, I know that our school system, other school systems, Phoenix Union, which is one of the, one of the bigger ones, they're not mm-hmm. the biggest, they're top five in Arizona. They, they're making, you know, 50% less students on campus, six feet apart in classes. They have to wear masks, like hybrid schedule, that's half, good. half yeah. remote, half good. not like cleaning, dude, like the list goes on and on and that's on awesome. almost to a, a point of like, oh my god, this is crazy. But yeah. but those are all precautions. So everyone, mm-hmm. everyone says, let's err on the side of caution. Is that not error? You know, is that not doing that? Yeah. No. You know? I and love so that. people, and that's why I don't think you know, like, granted, Doctor Fauci. You know, my hat goes off to that guy. I don't want his job. But I feel like we're making decisions based on, like, well, Doctor Fauci said this, so we're going to close uh, gyms. Well, we really, you know what I mean? yeah. it's like we, we really hey, don't come need. on, like he doesn't know. Yeah, and you know he is an expert, right? He's, I think he's in his seventies. Obviously, done a lot. He was part of the HIV crisis. Like he's been around infectious disease for a long time. Mm-hmm. But when you have like Dr. Rand Paul, obviously he's an ophthalmologist. Now, I don't like medical bullying in that what your title is means you know this. I think everyone's opinion should be listened to within reason. So what that means is Dr. Rand Paul, as an ophthalmologist, was a medical medical physician, or went to med school, so he can read studies. And when he's talking about these things, he's citing good evidence. So the American Academy of Pediatrics, which I would think is the leader in children and peds, right? They're saying that school should start. So we should talk about that and not just say, well, the CDC says this. And we got to agree the CDC has gone back and forth between things because well, it's I been hate, difficult. Yeah, I hate that argument from authority, too. Like. Mm. Like for me, yeah, I'm not. I have no medical education background training, but I'm a smart enough guy. I feel like I can look yeah. at data and come to a conclusion, or present data and ask questions. But what? Because I'm not, you know, I'm not a nursing student. I can't. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Because that's the people yeah. I see, like the biggest yeah. warriors. It's like, well, I, I'm a nurse. Okay, <laughs> let me tell you what's up. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I respect I, you, but you know, I can look at data too. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, Gary. Like. Gary has MD, MBA, yeah. one of the oh. most humble guys I've ever met in my life, yeah. and he would never shoot someone's opinion down. Obviously, he's going to throw out you know, his expertise, his facts. His scientific background is way more thorough than mine, mm. but he's not going to shoot down my experience and what I'm seeing as a nurse practitioner. We're in two different settings, right? Mm. He's in the emergency room, so he's seeing higher acuity, which means he's seeing sicker patients of COVID, right? I'm seeing a lot more mild in the urgent care setting. I would say 9 out of 10 COVID patients I see are very mild. That's what I see. I've sent 2 to 3 in 4 months to the ER. That's it. So, yeah. And yeah, the ER has been interesting. Even when COVID started, we had just all the numbers, everything kind of dropped, which was mm-hmm. interesting to kind of see because a lot of the, the BS non-emergent visits, people were scared to go. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, summer, you know, things have opened back up, and now we have a lot of the asymptomatic testing that's coming in which just mm. gums up the er and are then, you guys testing asymptomatic people we tell them no yeah. um and so that's been kind of a big point of contention because they want to come in and so we tell yeah. them where the testing centers are because it's not a great sh- use of our resources no, which has always ER. been the problem with the er it's like why mm. are you showing up at no. 11 o'clock at night for you know this and yeah. with covid that stuff kind of dried up but now since we're opening back up and it's just been we see the, the sick patients are still coming in, but now we're seeing more of the mild cases that are coming in that are just, they're the worried sick, but not sick enough to be admitted. What are some like odd symptoms you've seen? Like with mm. COVID, that you're like, wow, they had COVID. Yeah. So it's been, um, we had a local nursing home where it ran through pretty quick. And initially, these were the vulnerable population. They were 65, 70, multiple mm-hmm. medical problems. And the first couple tests, I remember looking back at it, that came back positive. I was like, yeah, they didn't have the typical stuff. It wasn't URI mm-hmm. stuff. Some of it was just general weakness. One of them had kind of the GI belly pain stuff. Yeah. But then when I followed them in the hospital, then they became, you know, all the respiratory stuff came on. So I would kind of, mm-hmm. kind of just, that was neat to kind of see that play out neat in a sense of that. Just, you know, it, it hit that whole nursing home close to us where, 
gosh, their mortality rate was really high. It was that's sad, right? Like yeah, no, the nursing homes need to be protected. Again, oh, dude, these these time. are patients that yeah. their quality of life and then just the the immunity they have is low. So mm-hmm. we always need to be cognizant and protective of this population. One of the worst things New York did was take COVID patients and send them to the nursing to, home or send them back. Which yeah, yeah. or oh, send them back, yeah. which time. literally mm-hmm. was a death sentence. Right. And Governor Cuomo. Which he's a very good speaker, right? People but, like him. Yeah. But he literally—that was very bad direction. Oh, that—that's a huge stain on his leadership. Yeah. Like where, that was a big that? mistake, and no mm-hmm. one's—he's not talking about it. People no. aren't talking about. It. I'm not yeah. hearing much about it. Like you know, one day he was saying, you know, I need fifty thousand ventilators. I'm not getting ventilators. They only and, used like. And they did they use, use Gary? There's like one fifth. Yeah, it ended up not being as much. No. Right? And it felt like a political thing to right. say, "Well, I'm asking the president for fifty thousand. He's not giving it to me." Yeah. Well, you they, know? They that's plenty. what's upsetting. Yeah. Is I'm like, dude, this isn't about politics. This is about, like, there's your uh, state is like the world epicenter yeah. for this disease right now. Like, it did mm-hmm. not take long for New York to just like triple China in mm-hmm. cases and deaths. And let's and all talk, that. Well, Gary. Too, I want you to mm-hmm. add on any yeah. of this, but. What are things that have, like, I thought about Arizona, and I thought, what makes Phoenix, like, a place that could be an epicenter? So I was just thinking, because I'm born and raised here. Yep. So I started thinking, okay, so we are the fourth largest city in, right. the, in the country. Big population. Now, we are spread out. The density is spread out. But still, we, we close that density when we go to work. So when we say density where we live, that's true. But most of the patients I see, they're getting it from work. I haven't had one person from a bar, nightclub, that said they got COVID. Like, all these people are from work. That's what I'm seeing. It's mostly the groceries. I know where I'm at is the grocery store or Home Depot mm-hmm. or, you know, the and I'm not big saying, box stores. Yeah, and I'm not saying shut down. Shut down is not a good answer. I think you should shut all down or don't shut down. That's what I think. I'm not opposed to another two-week hard shutdown. I just don't know how you pick and choose. Because when you make that decision, you know, you can make a decision like the Michigan governor that shut down the baby department of the Walmart. So you, it wasn't considered essential. So a mom couldn't buy a car seat for her kid. Mm. You tell me who is smart enough to make those decisions. I would say no one. Because what's essential, what's not, is actually a very slippery route. Just like, is it the gym? Or is the gym actually a good place where I'm able to decompress? I see 60 patients a day. I'm really stressed out as a medical provider. I'm able to be a healthier person, a better provider, see more patients because I, I'm able to go to the gym. There's a loss there, too. Yeah, and one thing that kind of bothered me with all this is uh, people who, you know, they cling to every word of the CDC, right? They're taking their guidance from them. They're Whatever they say is because they heard it from them, right? So at first it was like asymptomatic. It's super infectious. It can mm-hmm. All this stuff, right? And then they come back and they're like, oh, it turns out it's like any other disease. You know, asymptomatic doesn't – it's not hyper – you know, it's not going to spread mm-hmm. a lot. But then those same people come back and they're like, well, I don't care. I don't care yeah. what you first said it was. Yeah. So I'm not going to listen to this new thing. So when I'm talking to people and they're like, well, asymptomatic, I'm like, I thought that wasn't a thing though. Yeah. Like, well, well, they said it at the first. So I'm like, you know, so we believe them, but then we don't believe them, you know? And that's the 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 burden falls on them yeah. and their leadership. Gary, how many, how many asymptomatic people have you seen? That were tested positive. You know, I know you don't test Gosh, a lot of them. Not a well, yeah, because we don't do a lot of asymptomatic okay. tests. I do. Yeah, and I can tell you, um, I've only had one, and this is the problem with the symptoms of COVID. A lot of it starts. You know, I've seen a lot of GI. Yeah, it starts with you know abdominal pain, fever, diarrhea. I've had just back pain. You know, start with the back pain, went to body aches. They were sick a couple of days later. So were they asymptomatic? Or were they pre-symptomatic? And there's also people lying about their symptoms, and I can explain that. So people are scared to say they have symptoms because they have to miss work. Right. So there's so many people I meet all the time that say, hey, I have COVID. I tell them, hey, you you need to quarantine for 14 days as per CC. They said, I cannot put food on the table. I need to work. I had a photographer say that. I go, look, man, I do the best you can to social distance then you know wear your mask um stay really healthy i have a bunch of covid instructions i give patients i try to bring their anxiety down from real high up to where covid it should be you know it's i think we need more compassion all around and that's what we're missing oh yeah i think so too you know i don't know it's a 
I mean, we're kind of over COVID, but I mean, we need to talk about it because it is on the forefront. You know, we got Gary's on the front lines in the ER. I mean, literally fighting this day in and day out, and it's yeah, it's brutal. Yes, but we do have a good man segment. Oh yeah, oh man, so I who, forgot about that. Who is the good man? <laughs> oh my bad. So we uh, we do good man segment because we feel like a lot of our today's problems are usually men related, yes. and we're men, so we try to promote good men that are making a difference and being uh, good role models to young men and young girls on how you should be treated and and how we should react today because that's a big problem with their politics and the way media is and other things. But we're bringing up Dr. Brian Hess. So he's an ER physician at a very large ER group. Um, me and Gary both work with him. Um, I've known him for three or four years, and he's a great man, great husband, great doctor, and I can't I can't say a bad thing about him. Like he's able to as an ER emergency room physician he's able to be like a director manager of many doctors run departments run business but also provide very efficient compassionate care at the bedside like i i tell him i'm like hey man i i look up to you and i don't say that often like that's probably the biggest compliment i could give someone i've told him that a few times so do you want to speak on Yeah, on no, Brian? I'd love to chime in on Brian. I met him about eight or nine years ago. We're both from the Midwest, both from Missouri. And he did my initial interview when I was, um, it's actually out at Tempe St. Luke's, and he was the director then about eight or nine years ago. And everything Frank said, you could just tell when I walked into his ER. And those of you who haven't been to Tempe, it's a <laughs> crowded, busy, chaotic place. And he, mm-hmm. the way he carried himself and you know um, conducted the interview, the way that he introduced his staff, um, and seeing his bedside care and then being, um, you know, working alongside him, I can really, you know, speak on that, that he is someone that, that shows compassion at all levels, you know, let it be when he's with, with the homeless drunk who's there or, you know, having to run a code or having mm-hmm. to reprimand staff or nurses or even his colleagues, the other, other docs, he's, he's excelled in all those roles. And so it's been neat seeing all that. I think it's hard as a physician too, because He's not only a physician, so he does bedside care, so he's in the trenches, but he's also in the business side and the management side. So mm-hmm. you're talking about multiple hats this guy is carrying, that's, that's and it tough. doesn't make it easy. Like, I mean, Gary, you're a father, right? You have MBA, so you understand, like, different hats, different roles, and it's not easy to switch hats. Like, No, it's not. And honestly, mm-hmm. managing physicians can be one of the hardest, hardest things because, you know, we all... We all are highly educated and a lot of us have, you know, a lot of us honestly have egos and stuff that need to be, you know, need to be managed and it, it can be tough. And he's done a great job being, being able to do that. So, yeah. so we're giving a shout out to him. I'll let him know too, because he's that. just a cool guy. <laughs> he's also a big Tesla fan, uh, big Elon Musk fan. I'm telling you, man, I'm going to get a Cybertruck in three years. Like, I think it's going to happen. Yeah. I can't wait to shoot it up with my, my 40... 40 caliber pistol and see if it's bulletproof. <laughs> yeah, it'll load up the uh, electric dirt bikes in the yeah, back. Yeah, in the electric dirt bikes. Yeah, that'll yeah. be fun. But um, Gary, so something I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, is intellectual bias. So this is just a take I've noticed. It's like, so as a physician, like we talked about, you have such a long track to be a physician, right? So you were, what, 17, right? Very early, right? When you Correct. went into yep. med school? Was it 17 in a yep. six-year program? And then you did your residency, right? Right. So you did. It, you were 17 years old. You worked really hard to get in, obviously. Uh, driven really hard, especially by your parents. But you did a six-year medicine pro- or medical school program. Then you did a five-year residency? or Residency was three. So wow. three years. Three years, and that was combined with my MBA in and healthcare an leadership. So wow. it, was a, it was a unique program. To yeah. do, to and there's more doctors like that, which is good, right? Right. But so you did all that. But when you do all that, right, and you're more broad with MBA, but we have a thing called an intellectual bias. So we had a doctor on back in the day, great guy, really nice, one of the top cardiologists basically in the world. Yeah, he worked for uh, NASA. Hmm. Well, yeah. He was the lead cardiologist he, for NASA. He cleared the astronauts that go on to the yeah. moon. He was the president of yeah. the Ottawa Heart Institute. Pretty amazing yeah, guy, okay. and he yeah. talked an hour for us. Anyways, but what I'm saying is he spent 30 to 40 years in one field. Yeah. So when you do that, we need those people. But understand you do get an intellectual bias as well that makes it kind of hard. You know what I'm saying? So when we have these conversations, you have a infectious disease doctor, right, say Dr. Right. Fauci. Yeah. He's obviously got a little bit of a bias because he spent his whole life 
mm-hmm. combating that. Right. Right. So I think that's why it's even more imperative to understand our own personal bias. Like I have my own bias. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm mm-hmm. lucky I've had 15 to 20 jobs. So I feel for the business owners. You know, it's not just the medical people. I feel bad for them. I, I support them. I'm here to help anybody. I'll test anybody with COVID. Come see me, please. I do not turn you away. But I feel bad for like these local business owners, these restaurant owners, these waiters, waitresses that yeah. that can't pay their bills. And that is a very real thing. Yeah, and I'd love to comment on that just because of those, the financial stressors, because being in the ER, you see the other the other things that happen. We've seen yeah. an increase in, you know, um, spousal abuse, child mm-hmm. abuse, stress at home, you know, anxiety, depression, suicide attempts, and a lot of that can be from shutting down. Yeah. And so there's, there, it's hard to figure out, you know, what's the right answer. But you, we, you know, you can see it when you put pressure on people. It's like this big social experiment, like just yeah. with our kids being out of school for this long. It's, yeah. they'll be, they'll always be known as this generation, and we'll kind of see how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I worry yeah. because. You know, you Gary, you have yeah. two kids, right. and you're talking about how important it is. They need the socialization. And that's how they yeah. develop, and they just don't do as well. Like, you know, you can homeschool, but Gary, you have a full time job, right? You know, your kid's mom has a full time job. Like, so you're going to be a teacher, a physician on the front lines, and be expected right. to do the same job as the teachers. That that's right. what they do every day. Like, the system we have works really well. So don't act like just shutting things down doesn't have consequences. Yeah. That's yeah, they have huge consequences. That was part of people saying like, well, yeah, we need, we do need to delay the school's opening. And I was like, well, okay, then you got to understand pe- teachers won't get paid. Yeah. Like if we can't at least open remotely, people won't get paid. Like that's, that's you know, and, and people, I think people li- literally think like, oh, well, they'll still get paid. Like, you know, people no, lose their job. Not, yeah. Right. Like there's not already, a business. To, our teachers already yeah. are not... Yeah. not treated well in Arizona. Yeah, right? it's already bad. They average enough. like $34,000 a year. Mm. They have 30 to 35 students in a classroom. Like, thank goodness you guys are here. in uh, debt. Yeah, please. Like, yeah. I want you to make more money. You know, yeah. Red for Ed or whatever that was. It didn't, yeah, I don't know red, if that worked yeah. or what. It didn't, it didn't do anything, but, but. But what I'm saying is like, look, we're get, like, stop hating your neighbor. We're all hurting in different ways. So what we're trying to say is like, the, sometimes the best answer is, I don't know. I'm trying my best. Yeah, that's important. I think one thing, one takeaway I've seen is that uh, major cities are like failing and crumbling. Mm -hmm. And you can't rely on a city or a government or, you know, like you can't rely on the police, right? Like you can't, you gotta, yeah, yeah, like you have to put things in place in your life. You have to equip yourself with tools and skills to literally like survive. You can't Mm -hmm. just, you know, you can't hope that you'll get a stimulus check. If things shut down, you got to have a six month emergency saving. You got to get yourself out of debt Mm -hmm. because as soon as you lose your job, what you're screwed. You can't rely on these systems and major cities like Chicago, New York, LA, San Francisco, even Phoenix. Now they're designed on that Seattle. Seattle. They're designed. Mm -hmm. People are like, no, like I need the thing to work because if it doesn't work, Mm -hmm. like my whole life is in disarray. And so this has really exposed how oh, a lot of things you know uh-huh. like it exposed uh, the hospitals it exposed yeah. there's no PPE oh, yeah. in this country we that, don't even well, make it yeah well, it's PPE but then also that hospitals get paid to do stuff yeah you know they yeah. don't get paid to encourage health and you mm-hmm. know they're yeah. you know just seeing how much they're losing and mm-hmm. you know a lot of docs and staff like they've been asked to take you know pay cuts and just because yeah. we're not doing surgeries and yeah we're furloughing right. yep. people yep. absolutely so it's yeah. just like that's how fragile the system was. Mm-hmm. Oh, when we yeah. really don't promote health. We we yeah. really thrive on people being sick, people having mm-hmm. stuff done to them, procedures, and when all that was put on hold, we really saw what happened. Yeah, and so. we realized we don't make our own drugs. Drug, right. We're relying oh, on yeah. drugs from China. From all over, yep. yep. I was all like, wow, over. we rely on our PPE, we rely yep. on drugs, we rely on, yep. wow, we yeah. rely on a lot. And on top of that, the systems in, that are in place are very fragile. Can we, t- can we easily talk about, overrun. Can we talk about some positives that are going to come from COVID? Sure. Like yeah. It sounds counterintuitive, it. but yeah. we can do like a round robin. So I'm going to first talk about, how about, this is what I thought prior to COVID. It was, why don't more people work from home? If you're as productive at home, why do you have to go to an office? Like we mm. have so, my, my sister yeah. drives an hour and 15 minutes from Buckeye to North Phoenix, right? That's exposed to a car accident. That's exposed to more stress. She's able to stay at home, which cu- cuts electricity, all kinds of things. She's as productive. She's happier. 
why wasn't she allowed that option prior to COVID? But COVID exposed this and shows that, hey, maybe we don't need to just go throw yourself in a cubicle for 40 years and go into some big real estate that's not necessary. Yeah. Work from home. Yeah. yeah. Really Working good option. From home. Yep. And I know for some people, just to play devil's advocate, uh, like my roommates, they hate it. Oh, uh, that's you know, okay. Because they give, don't like that. Why not give the option but, more so? But no, but that, that's really good. I, there are a lot of people who are like, wow, I can do this from home. Like, I don't have mm-hmm. to. You know, or have like a, a hybrid. A yeah. hybrid. Yeah. Sometimes it's not all or nothing. It's not. Sometimes yeah. it is a hybrid. Yeah. If I worked in an office, and I can tell you, I, I can't do much. I like doing multiple things. Mm, yeah. I have a lot of energy. Um, kind of a spaz, but not in a bad way. Or maybe it is a bad way. But uh, I would do work from home some days because, you know, that hour drive to work, most of the time I don't mind it. But when you have a long day at work, like Gary, you work 12 yeah. hours. I work 12 hours. That drive home most of the time zends me out, but if I'm sitting in traffic for an hour and a half, it just drives my blood and boils. Mm. Like, yeah, mine goes both ways. Sometimes it can be therapeutic, but mm-hmm. if I'm just tired, especially after a night shift, it's just the most annoying thing. That it's it not be. safe. Yeah. It's not safe driving home. Right. No, you save gas. You know. Yeah. So there's that's a good thing. So, yeah. Eric, what do you think? What's a good thing from COVID? A positive. Uh, I think a good thing is that we found out. Well, we found some flaws, right? But because of those flaws, now we found that a lot of businesses can Mm -hmm. can come together to provide. Like a lot of businesses came together and made masks. They made PPE. They They made all sorts of stuff. You know, we were using uh, their distribution system, their Mm -hmm. trucking, their trucks to to bring in supplies to to do that. Because you kind of need that if there's going to be a. I'm not saying this isn't a real pandemic, but like a, a crazier scale pandemic, right? Or like a mm-hmm. military kind of a thing. Like yeah. you want to know your country can come together because, mm-hmm. you know, we hadn't done it in a while. You know, like well, the last time I feel like the American people actually felt like they're in a pressure cooker was probably like World War II. Because since World War II, like it, we 9/11? didn't have... 9 I feel like for like a week oh, yeah. and, and no, especially right. like in New York, yeah. but yeah. not really... Okay. I felt not really nationwide. I I don't know. I felt really we didn't patriotic. close schools. You know. No, you're right. There was just, well, they paused sports. We didn't run out of they, toilet. They paper. did for a little they bit. Paused sports and then. Uh, but they used sports back. actually to unite people. Do you remember right, that to come back? Yeah, it was to come back. It yeah, was I mean the Yankees the went pitch. to the Super Bowl, yeah. but they did not. Or Super Bowl, the, the World, World Series. Series, but no, they the Diamondbacks nabbed that one. What was that? Ninety? Guess two thousand one. No, it was two thousand one. They started ninety, but yeah, two thousand one. They won. They bought their team. Yeah. So, and all these positives are from flaws that COVID exposed and just showed how we adapted. That's what we mean. Yeah. Because we don't want someone to say, "Oh, my mom died of COVID." There's no positives. I get it. I'm not devaluing your life that's lost, but there's things we're learning. It's another eye opener to like how fragile this thing is. Like, oh, dude, like that's why I was saying like you need to be prepared. Yeah. Like you can't think like if anything goes wrong, I'll call the police. I'll take care of it. They might not come for an hour. What are you gonna do? You know, if toilet paper runs out, what are you gonna do? If you have no food, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's How true. do you produce yeah. for yourself? Gary, what's a positive yeah. you think that comes from COVID or the, yeah, the experience? I think what, and I can speak for myself and like seeing others when they've had to um, really just take a look at their own habits and like what they mm-hmm. were doing to be like, well, I'm not being as healthy as I could be. Like they know there's this common enemy out there to be like, oh, what can I do to be healthier? Maybe eat a little better, mm-hmm. you know, be less stressed, sleep better. Um, most you know, a lot, of course, I'm speaking to the choir here, but a lot of the general population was, you know, they weren't until they had that common enemy of COVID to be mm-hmm. like, okay, I want to be able to protect myself or be as healthy as I can be. So I've mm-hmm. been seeing, seeing more. Of that. I like that. Some self-reflection. Yeah. yeah. We found out. Like a soft reset to be yeah. like, hey. Yeah. We yeah, found out like over on. what, 60% of the uh, country is vitamin D deficient, 30% of them severely deficient. It's even higher. Yeah. According to Rhonda Patrick and her stuff. If you go yeah. there, you I know. mean, that's, that's kind of, I mean, it's good to know now. We do know. So we, you know, it's been known that there's a hundred million pre-diabetic people in the country yeah. Yeah. and mm. COVID specifically targets yeah. diabetes, obesity, and elderly. Are those metabolic diseases? Metabolic. Yeah. 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 Dr. Ben Bickman. Yep. Yeah. And again, Gary, how many people do you see that you know they have insulin resistance, right? It shows signs of that. Oh, boy. But sugar hasn't impacted yet. And I check the right. sugar. I'm like, you're not diabetic yet, you're but it's path. coming. Yeah. You're a couple months away. Right. And that's where, like, when we were commenting earlier about why is Arizona hard hit now, like the, um, unfortunately, like the Navajo Nation. Oh, yeah. You know, just. Really sad. Really sad. And just, um, well, they have tons of that, yeah. you know, diabetes. And it's it's unfortunate. So. 
That's what I, I forgot to talk about earlier was Arizona. So what, what sets us apart? First, yeah. we're the fourth largest population of Bradford up density-wise. I can argue that too. So we're dense because we're spread out, but we center together when we work, right? Big so time. even if density is, it's like the 10th least dense, but highest population, something like that. I get it. It's not New York, but we have a high native population. Mm-hmm. How many patients are we getting from Yuma? Oh, they were flying in, yeah. All over. Right. How many right. elderly here? We yeah. are a retirement Haven. Yeah, us in Florida. Yeah. Yes. And Why? who hit the hardest? Thank us you. in Florida. Yep. How us about Florida. Hispanic? And then, honestly, the heat, they thought that would help the virus, but I think it drove people inside. Thank Under you. Under the air, con- you know, yes. and the air conditioners blow around. Yeah. and that, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not the quality of air. Right. Right? Yeah. So it's it's 100 quarters. plus degrees every day. Yeah. No one wants to be outside. Yeah. Unless I was golfing and it was great, but. Oh, you're yeah. a killer. But who, COVID doesn't transfer in the golf course area. Oh, it instantly <laughs> dies in the sun. Now when you hit a 300-yard drive. That's why I go jogging shirtless. Yeah. But why do you think Phoenix? I, I had an argument on Facebook about this. I go, look, man, it's not just social distancing. There's another reason why Phoenix is also rising. Like, we also have the Hispanic population, high obesity high and obesity. diabetic yep. rate. Yep. I see it all the time. People say, I'm healthy. And I go, I can tell you're a BMI at 35. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm telling you, like, just because you don't go to the doctor and get diagnosed does not mean you're healthy. Yeah. The one patient I sent to the ER was in his early 60s, doesn't take any meds, has a very big abdomen. I'm talking about abdominal obesity, visceral, visceral fat, fat oh. which there's a higher correlation between visceral fat, which means fat on the organs from a big beer belly, basically, yep. um, mm-hmm. compared to cholesterol. We know if you have visceral fat in your organs, your stroke and heart attack go through the roof. It's like three times instantly. And I, I saw this guy. He had a fever. He was short of breath. And I go, I don't know if COVID, I don't know if he's going to last. I sent him right to the ER. Yeah. He's probably dead. Yeah. And I don't yeah, like to true, say that. that's it's one true, patient though. out of four months, but. Yeah, man. You know, See and that. hopefully we keep learning. I wish the CDC too, like, you know, I think they've done some good things. We definitely shouldn't cut back, you know, cutting one to $2 billion prior to COVID was not a good idea probably, but they need to be better too. They need to admit when they're wrong. They need to admit, hey, you know, we don't know everything. This is the best recommendation we can give. Yeah. The, you know, it shouldn't just be Dr. Fauci. It should be an economist there. It should be the pediatricians should be there, the PCP. It should be a, a you know, a round table. Well, I like that you mentioned them because that was one of my things against like just having Dr. Fauci up there and making statements and then people thinking, I'm like, the guy isn't in it. He, he doesn't know anything about the economy. Right. Right. No more than, or you know, limited, yeah, he's probably. very limited. Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, he's a smart guy. He probably knows something about economics, but he's not an economist, you right. know? And like, yeah. he, he says like, there could be a hundred thousand cases a day. What does everyone do? Oh, there get could inside, be, do yeah, this, don't do that. Yeah. Shut it down. I'm cool. Get, I'll give up any rights as long as you just protect me from, from COVID. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. We could be doing something even yeah. more. We could be doing something worse. That's mm-hmm. not good either. Yeah. I think... You know. Why do we even the presidency? That's actually an archaic role. Like, yeah, should it's we a even have job. a president, or should we have like a round table of like leading experts that are voted in? You know, Congress yeah. is not a good example, but say, I'm just saying, like, be, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe we need to rewire things. Just because we do something for a hundred years doesn't mean it's the right way. Well, that's true, and the and the role of the president was never intended to be what it is now. No. Um, the federal yeah. government was never intended to be what it is now. It's meant to be more of like an oversight versus mm-hmm. uh, absolute kind of authority. Career politician didn't exist. Yeah. It no, wasn't it didn't either. It no. was a term yeah. with the meant of having a job. Like That's why we've, we've interviewed mayors on here is because they still work in the real world. They, well, most of them, you should. Yeah. Almost all of them. Yeah. And it's really cool to see that. Wow. So at that level, they're really trying to make change. They're trying to help the local people. They live in the community. Yeah. You know, the governor, I think when you start getting to that level, um, I don't know, it makes it hard. I think it's better, like, as a physician, Gary, like, do you feel like even if you work one day a week, you're still in the trenches? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, because you always kind of have that hat on. And then... um, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like Brian Hess, right? Right. He is more in a management, you know, he's done interviews on TV, but he still treats bedside. Right. So Fauci doesn't treat bedside right now. Right. Well, I'm not knocking say, him. I'm my just knock, saying. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. My knock would be that he hasn't seen a patient in 40 years. Oh, wow. You know what Your I mean? Your doc? No. Uh, Fauci. Fauci. For 30 no. years. Has it been that long? I don't yeah. know. His, I don't um, know his history. Yeah, it's kind of the whole idea. Of <laughs> Has like, it been that yeah. long? The, so yeah. you can talk about bias. Uh, right. Intellectual bias. Yeah. Yeah. Bias because you haven't – he hasn't worked – 
right. with a patient yeah. rounded 30 the, to 40 You mean rounded years. in the hospital? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know the last time yeah. he was, actually, to he's, be honest. He's well, the, this happens, you know, even in our hospitals. We have our specialists, you know, mm-hmm. that they're, they're the cardiologist, the nephrologist, and they know a lot about a little. That you know, area. That area, yeah. which is what we, we were talking about with intellectual bias. And mm-hmm. the way that we approach COVID, you need that multidiscipline, you know, and COVID, idea. And COVID isn't it. just an infectious disease. Like, right. COVID is weird where it affects all kinds of things. Well, it's all, it, a lot of systems. It's yeah. a lot of systems. So there should be more experts talking about this. It's the kidneys. It's the heart. It's the lungs. It's, it's not just an infectious right. disease. So the problem with Western medicine, too, I mean, again, for those guys that get so expert, it's hard to, I don't know. You're an ER physician, so you're more generalized. I'm a family nurse practitioner. I'm more generalized. I know a lot of a lot of things, but I'm not an expert in just one area. Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades, a master of none, yeah. right? I'd rather be that. I don't want to just be the best infectious disease guys ever, right? I'm just not that passionate. Yeah, I'm not like that. I look at the whole body as, you know, integrated. And that's the way functional medicine is. That's the way holistic medicine is. Like, you know, if your heart's not working good, your lungs don't work good. You know, mm. if diabetes is present in your body, that affects everything in your body right it's not just your skin it's not just your kidneys it's not just your eyes you know it's not just your heart it's everything yeah you know and yeah and we need what, to start looking at the body that way yeah it's true what i hate are these slippery slopes we go down or or things get so politicized they get polarizing just like the whole thing with like well the you know i'm reading stuff that says uh there's no data to support um that these protests so if you're protesting yeah. right now well, the data doesn't support that that's transmitting COVID, right? Okay. And then you get this open letter I saw penned, like, I don't think it was from the CDC. It was these doctors, these physicians, they came together and they said, well, racial injustice in this country poses a greater threat to humanity than COVID. Therefore, you're allowed to protest because it supersedes COVID, right? That was the logic. I'm like, okay, well, there's more car accidents and deaths. Yeah. So, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that's a slippery slope. Where do you go down with this stuff? I why don't we just you know call it for what it is? I wish medicine was more about the science and yeah, less yeah. about the. So this it's is so thing, polarized right now. The problem, okay. The problem is this: is people don't know who to trust, right? Mm-hmm. We have had the CDC, the you know the White House administration has not done a great job. They've done some things, but definitely could improve right hey man trump was a guinea pig with hydroxychloroquine (laughs) and now actually hydroxychloroquine's back on trial is it (laughs) we're desperate we're desperate yeah man but this is the thing is medicine should be about the science the scientific method is the foundation of science and covid does not discriminate against race no it doesn't care it doesn't care who you are it does it does on age it seems like because kids don't get affected which is thank god could you imagine being a parent? Gary's got two young kids. Oh, I man. can't imagine, dude. No. You know, the amount of anxiety. I saw parents that are anxious. I'm like, your kids will be okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Your your mom might not be, so they shouldn't be watching your kids right now. Yeah. Right? That's the discussion I have. But medicine has been hijacked by the food industry. Yep. The mm-hmm. pharmaceutical industry. And the pharmaceutical is good and bad. Let's talk about that. Their job is to make a drug, to sell a drug. Obviously, they're going to push a drug. Okay, but should I charge you know twenty five hundred dollars for a five day course of Rizdemavir or Remdesivir or whatever antiviral or Dexamethasone? That's generic. That seems to be working. You know what I mean? Like, I hope Remdesivir works or hydroxychloroquine. That's also generic, but I think it's generic. But um, like all these industries are impacting the medical field where it's not about the science. Because if it's if you're following it's the not. science, we shouldn't shut down schools. Because that's not following the science, right? No, or it's not least, because then people get, you know... At least have the discussion. Yeah, that's people just saying. look at, you know, they, they want to talk about data. They're like, well, look at the cases. The cases are rising, so we can't do anything. I'm like, okay, well, there, there's other factors. We're also testing a lot more. We're testing right. more. There's not, the the percent's a lot more. higher in Arizona, so that's yeah. true. So I'm testing... I was testing five a day. Now I'm testing 30 per day. Yeah. Every day I'm there. Yeah, man. And I'm testing asymptomatic, really sick, whatever. If you want to be tested, please be tested. I'll test a 40-week pregnant lady. I had one the other day. I'm like, you know, I'm not, I don't think it really affects the OB fetus world, but I'll test you. I have the test. I'm going to risk myself. Let's do it. But, like, understand these factors. There's more to it than just, well, it's just social distancing. Okay, well, it's not just that. What yeah. in medicine is just one factor? Yeah, it never is. 
you know, you always have to look at all those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought the weirdest thing too, man, like I'm not like anti, you know, as soon as you start saying some stuff that I'm about to say, people think you're like anti, you know, social distancing and whatnot. But I was like, the strangest thing for me was the first time in my life where we ducked and covered for a disease. It was like full mm-hmm. duck and cover, like run mm-hmm. away, shut it down, get away yeah. from it. Like, like crawl, like go under your bed, you know, cover and it'll be gone in a month or something like that. Like that's, that's the, you know, like the, the feeling of it, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, man, like my whole life, it was like at a certain time of year, everyone got sick mm-hmm. and then we got better and every yeah. year right. and it was Just like, like flu every year. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. the, the normal kind of rhythm. Right. And then all of a sudden I was so bewildered cause it was like, wait, is it world war Z? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Wait, no, it's not. They're not zombies. Let's talk, let's talk some basic not things. Not to downplay so, it. I was like, but it was just very peculiar to me. We, we know COVID is not airborne. Mm. Right? We know that. It's not tuberculosis, right? Oh, yeah. So right. thank, thank goodness again, right? We know that it is more infectious than the average flu. Again, there's many different strains of the flu. So when we say flu, you know, was right. it the Spanish flu? Well, when people say, well, it's, way, it's way worse than the flu. I was like, not, well, I've seen people not the Spanish flu. get the flu that kills them. That right. average and there flu. Is, yeah. yeah, we see it every year, mm-hmm. Gary. Right? Yeah. Oh, the yeah. flu kills a ton of kids mm-hmm. every year. The mm-hmm. flu does not right. discriminate against race. It kills anybody every year, man. Grandma, grandpa, and the young kid. So I just, I don't know, man. I hope, I'm, I have to stay positive. I think Rogan, again, I'm a Rogan fan. I think he says things like, you have to stay realistic but positive because if I just sit here and just be negative for no reason, like it's just not a good way to live. No, man, no, you right. can't, no, no despair. And that was one thing I wanted to bring up while we saw some time. Uh, a positive or like a good thing, like we're talking about, you know, this should teach people you got to be prepared. Uh, people are learning that they'd ra- they might rather work from home or not build yeah. something. But I think people are realizing that during the downtime or that with anytime there there is a you know the the economy's now in a recession or whatever mm-hmm. like this is the chance for people to start businesses yeah build something for yourself and i think what we're learning is that the best thing you can do for yourself is not rely on a job rely on the government rely on something else rely on daddy to take care of you you got to mm-hmm. take care of yourself you got to build something for yourself yeah and so the coolest thing is that i feel like you know, whether it's this podcast, this platform, what we're building, you know, what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I think if you guys want to talk about that a little bit, building a business, like yeah, why we're actually, the importance yeah. of that. And then we can promote a couple of businesses here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, businesses is like the, I think we talk about the American dream, but I think the small business is the American dream. Oh, yeah. That's the white picket fence, right? When you're able to help people, you're able to lower costs, you're able to use capitalism in a good way, which there's some bad things out there for sure. Mm-hmm. But you use a small business and like ways to adapt, right? If you're Jocko, Jocko is a famous guy, Navy SEAL, owns a company that builds pants, boots. They started making masks. Mm-hmm. They stepped up, you know, yeah. they donated them and also started making masks. Like how can, Gary and I are very passionate about health as in the whole body. Um, you know, we're in the works right now of like, a joint injection type business where we're able to actually heal. Because think about a joint, right? Our body pivots in multiple ways. If you had a bad elbow, Eric, you have a bad right elbow. Yeah. You have to wear a, a sexy copper sleeve, which oh, is yeah. Mr. Copper. Very old school. <laughs> but if you have a bad joint, a bad shoulder, like my dad's a frozen shoulder, he doesn't have full range of motion, right? He's not able to do push ups. He's not able to throw up a football. Like that's very critical in your life. You know, you have patients that are hobbling in these joints that are just disintegrating, right? We are a living body and our joints are living tissue that can be reformed. And so me and Gary are talking about, you know, soon we'll be kind of more open about it, but a joint injection business highlighting really more stem cells. But Gary, you want to add to that? Yeah, no, that's all. It's all super exciting because, of course, being on the medical side, it used to be, you know, just put a new joint in. You know, just mm-hmm. make it bionic. But then once you put in one knee, you got to put in the other one. Then mm-hmm. after the knees come the hips, which was good for business, but is it good for the body or the person? Mm-hmm. And I can tell you working in the ER, there's more complications from these surgeries, these prosthetic hips popping out. And so even as I get up there in age, I'm like, yeah, I want to do something that's going to help the body regenerate, mm-hmm. which is where a lot of this, you know, um, moving towards you know, some of the stem cells and other different types of injections is the way that the body will heal itself versus let's put something new in there or mm-hmm. bionic. So. And there is a point where surgery needs to happen, but 
there's a lot of avenues where surgery isn't the best option. Even the surgeons will say this, right? Like anytime you open, slice, and dice the body, the body adapts not in the best way, mm. right? You have adhesions and you know post-inflammation and scar mm-hmm. tissue and things like that. Where I know so many people have had seven, eight surgeries, and they're like, "I'm not better." So I'm like, "You got right. sliced open, which was a risk of being put under, and a high cost, and it didn't work." Sometimes the surgery works good. I gotta agree. Oh, yeah, well, but. how many athletes like instantly go under the knife because they gotta get it mm-hmm. fixed? And then how many times have you heard that? Well, they shouldn't have got the surgery. Well, let's talk stem cells for a second, okay? Let's talk about some highlighted athletes. Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning almost was paralyzed from his neck, right? Again, I don't know the exact injury, but he went to Korea, got stem cells. He won a Super Bowl with the uh, Denver Broncos. Broncos. Yep. Kobe Bryant went over. I think it was Kobe Overseas. Bryant. Yeah, went to Europe. Terrell Owens had a left ankle. I think it was a left ankle fracture. Or a high ankle sprain. And he did stem cells. He was back in playing in six weeks for the Super Bowl. How do you do that? Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Pretty amazing, right? So there's stuff out there that is coming out that's very exciting. Because you have people that are 60 years old that still want to go play golf. That still want to go, you know, throw a ball with their grandkid. That still want to, you know, do squats, full body workouts. We realize working out is more important and more imperative than ever. So me and Gary are going to be bringing something to the table where we can we can help people yeah so my question would be though why would you why would you want to start a business or go into business together versus just go work for someone oh well i mean gary and i are both very lucky right Right. we both have licenses uh we have personal experiences with health you know gary's lost weight personally with like a low carbish type of diet you know cutting out kind of the the, the sad diet, standard American diet, and he feels and looks amazing, right? You're, you're 40, Gary? Yeah, I turned 40 in September. 40, he looks fantastic, yep. right? He looks not a day over oh, 34 yeah. years old. <laughs> no, no yeah. way, man. Well, 40 is the new 20. Yeah, 40 is the new 20. Especially so, with stem cells. Yeah, and that's with like, God, thousands and thousands of hours of studying and stress. Oh, yikes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, I've, I've personally seen such a difference from a low carbish type diet that's something we're passionate about we're we're about whole health balance you know i had my emdr where ptsd is eradicated i don't have ptsd anymore it's gone you know you don't have to live by your diagnosis i have a buddy right now trying to get in the military and he's struggling because he has tendonitis in his right arm bicep tendonitis i go dude i have tendonitis yeah like you can do everything but because the military is like you have a diagnosis done yeah you can't get it and I go, so what if, what if we put an injection, right? Stem cells are indifferentiated cells. So they're cells that are not, basically don't have an identity yet. So mm. they can rebuild things that usually don't rebuild, like the synovial fluid, the cartilage, the bursa sac, the things, the tendons, the ligaments. A lot of the joint, you know, bones heal stronger. Basically, everything else does not. I'm trying to simplify this thing. I'm not the science guy as Gary is. But um, there's things, man, that are like changing the world, dude. And if you're not excited about that, and me and Gary are passionate about starting kind of something on our own so we control it, um, and then that way we can not only help people, but also, you know, enjoy actually making a difference. Is that a good answer? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the important thing. I think, you know, you want to do something, like you said, you can control it, you can do what you want with it. I think the American dream is building something for yourself, Mm -hmm. having it, and not relying really on anyone other than yourself at the end of the day. You know, because you you could probably find a clinic or something to go Mm -hmm. work for, but then you're beholden to them and what they're doing, what they want to do. There's nothing wrong with that, but understand, especially with COVID, here's another positive. Security is a fallacy. Yeah. Right. So nothing's guaranteed. No. Nothing. The only thing guaranteed is death and taxes. Taxes. (laughs) (laughs) The IRS. Right. So like people say, I have a government job. Well, you also work for one of the worst organizations right they're so full of debt i think in the last like four years the government's gone on freeze a few times and i'm just saying like i hope i'm thankful you have that job i'm glad you have a union you do all that but you you know you work for a government that is not the most efficient not the best run like you a pension please don't give me one because we live too long and they don't last i'd rather have my own 401k where i can pass it on to my kids i can you know have them for myself like we Gary, if you and me don't provide good patient care, we don't have jobs. That simple. Yeah. If we don't show up to work, we don't get paid. I don't have paid time off. I'm an independent contractor. Yeah. I have to show up. Yeah. When I'm sick, I have to show up to work. I mean, I guess right now it's kind of odd. Yeah. But 
still, like, if I don't People go don't to like work, the doors don't open. Yeah. Like, do you know how much stress that is? I can't get hammered before a shift. I mean, I can, but it, it's not. It's not <laughs> no, ethical yeah. and, and responsible. No, it's you know not. what I mean. And um, I don't know, man. But yeah, I mean, Gary, how do you feel about like business and starting one? Yeah, no, it's it's one that you, once you have the ability to do it, and you find out where your passions are, that's the sweet spot, mm-hmm. you know. And that's where I've you know, in now forty years to figure out what am I passionate about, where can I make the biggest difference, and that's the most exciting thing to see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you got going on with? Uh, because you have another business, right? That you're yeah. So in. I've been launching, working on getting, um, you know, kind of one-on-one coaching, um, kind of outside of it, and building more of a health and wellness community. Mm. You know, for a while, I wanted to get out of the ER and kind of focus on. Um, was going to go back into primary care, but then really wanted to build more of a people focused on health and wellness versus taking people taking care of people that are sick and ill, which is what the ER was. And so yeah. it's been exciting, kind of just exploring that. And honestly, it's more fun. You know, oh, I'd be bet. able to hang around, you know, going to the health and wellness conferences versus, you know, the physician conferences. They're all burnout docs yeah. that are just slugging through it, you know. Oh, and so it's, it's And right now, fun. not only, like, I feel so bad for physicians. Like, people don't understand how long the schooling is. Like, I'm a nurse practitioner. I'm independent in the state of Arizona. Thank goodness it's a good state to be in. And I am humble enough to realize, look, I'm a mid-level. Like, people get all upset about that because I don't provide mid-level whatever. I don't have the amount of training that a physician has, okay? Gary went to school a long time. Like, yeah. his clinical hours are way more than mine. I respect that. And we work together as a team in the healthcare system, right? But, God, I totally lost where I was going with that. Damn, I've been doing good with dots. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, I totally You know what's crazy, though? Like, when we talk about physicians, uh, what, I oh, always think what I'm of, about. Okay. I always think of a doctor, and it's like some stressed out guy, and he's yeah. got like a, a white lab coat and gets off shift and just pours some whiskey and lights yep. a cigarette and is yeah. going you know just going through it what are, but that's what not was, a good way to think of a doctor no, no. it's not it no, really a lot of them yeah. like they don't necessarily so smoke but they're obese they're stressed they're divorced yeah, right um, we want our doctors to be happy and healthy so they can treat patients better um, a big thing with with COVID is physicians were asked to work longer hours put themselves at risk and they're taking a pay cut mm-hmm. you tell me how that makes sense I don't know. You know, we're paying nurses, you know, I don't know, five times cost to go just man the New York centers when it was the epicenter. But you have physicians that are literally taking a pay cut and they're working. I don't know, Gary. I mean, do you know people from New York? I mean, just crazy hours. Yeah, I don't don't know the exact numbers there, but I know just reaching out there on the groups that they are. Because they're not making the money, right? Again, healthcare is a business. If you don't have patients in the room, uh, my urgent care would have shut down. We were seeing five to six a day. I was begging patients to come in because I don't want to lose my job. It's a family-owned, doctor-operated business. Um, We do make a difference. Um, now we're seeing, you know, 45 to 60. I'm asking for patients not to be there. Yeah. No, I'm just (laughs) Stay home. Stay home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, that's part of the job. Takes a day quill. It's not physicians. It's not them that are causing the cost of healthcare. That's it's a system problem. Yeah, for it's sure. a system yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that's been spread around. Gosh, I know, man. That's the one thing people talk about. Like every four years, it's always like, "What are we gonna do about healthcare?" And I'm like, "Gosh, what do you do at this point?" You know, like has it gotten so, like it's so robust and mm-hmm. jacked up, and it's like, what, like, what do you do with it? Well, you know, because like you yeah. had Obamacare, and then like when Trump got in, the first thing was supposed to be was like fix healthcare, right. and then everyone was calling it. What were they calling it? Like Obama, Obamacare light. You know what I mean? Yeah, They're saying Trump oh, care was part revealed. Yeah, yeah, they were calling it, and then they didn't even get right. that passed. And then it yeah. was I don't even know what it Obama actually was happening. a fiasco. It was, it was really, terrible, really yeah. ugly. Because yeah, you have a Republican bad. House and Senate and can't they pass it. They couldn't pass one. That's really bad. It yeah. is very complex. So complex, um, man. And there's a lot of lobbyists, corporations, and people with their hands in the pie. Yeah. yeah. And, and COVID do, exposes oh, exposes yeah. a lot of it. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. Just how fragile the system is. Mm-hmm. Like when you take away the elective surgeries and procedures that, yeah. you know, it pretty much crumbled. So, yeah. And the hospitals, I think, the ERs in most of the area were down 50% volume oh, or something yeah. like that. Like that you can't last. We had to furlough people right. here in Arizona. That's Dude, that's that just, just a couple so months crazy, ago. though. It was just a couple months. Gosh, it's weird. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's been a weird roller coaster. I remember, mm-hmm. gosh, the first time I was on here was all pre-COVID, and just to see what happened when, yeah, the the volumes all dropped, which was right in the middle of our high season. It was March, you know, mm-hmm. spring training was right getting kicked off, and 
And then everyone had to just leave and all our volumes dropped. And we're like, oh, yeah, COVID isn't that bad. And now in the past month, we're seeing the brunt of it. Yeah, it is weird, right? It's stressed out people now. It's a total, like, mind blow. I don't, because I've gone through an emotional roller coaster, too. I mean, now you can get toilet paper whenever. But that mm. was three months, right, or something? Like, dude, you, you couldn't could get... buy toilet paper for at least two months. I was worried about that. <laughs> I have extra toilet paper. Yeah, you know? there's people waiting at four o'clock in the morning, right. and when the the toilet paper came hot off the truck, it was gone in an hour. It was crazy. Like, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, no, it's um, I don't know. And now we're seeing this huge water. surge. You can only buy one water. gallon one of water. Case. Oh, yeah, yeah, one, one case. One case, one gallon. Yep. It's like wow. We had we had the protests. All this was involved as well. Uh, yeah, you know, and like so many hot points. Yeah, yeah. And I now just, we're back to. I feel like we're kind of back to COVID again. We have an election in November. I can't. Isn't you know that what, wild? That's the thing. I keep forgetting it. Almost. I, yeah. I remember yeah. the last election. It's almost nice. It was almost like for nine months yeah. leading to the. It was like the longest time ever. We were like they call it political fatigue. Glued to it, and mm. this one, it's like, oh yeah, there's an election, huh? Right. There's yeah. so many different things going on. <laughs> yeah. Like I forgot there's an election yeah. almost. I think we just at the end of the day need to remember, hey, we're trying our best, or most of us are, right? A lot of people are scared and fearful, but it doesn't give you the right to be angry. Like mm-hmm. that's okay. Um, I think there are people really trying to make a difference. There are positive things. You just have to look for it. There's you a lot of world it. events we were going to talk about. We didn't get time to do that. Um, but hopefully more good things keep coming out. And I, that's what I try to stay focused on. I should tell anyone to stop watching the news, please. Yeah. Like we know it's not good information, whether it doesn't matter what channel you're on. It's like four corporations own the news. I'm talking about television. Well, it's also negative. Literally. That's what you fill your mind with. Yeah. Yeah, We, um, we, since like the dawn of time, fear, right, mm -hmm. is a defense mechanism. So our brain recognizes negativity and fear more so than positive. That's why it takes 10 positive reviews to overcome one negative. That negative review, and that sucks, right? Our brain needs to adapt. But that's why they want to throw out this many cases today. Well, we knew the cases were going to rise. So is it that bad? Like in Arizona, yeah, it is bad, but yeah, man. how bad? And, right? you know, I'm the conspiracy guy, so I start yeah, seeing stuff that freaks me out. But, you know, you, you do the, you see that um, the CDC came out and said, well, we mixed up uh, tests. We mi- mm. I got to pull that news article. But they literally said, like, we mixed up some stuff. Sorry, mm. our bad. On top of that, how many of these tests are, you know, false positive, whatever, yeah. how many people. Yeah. So you got that number. And then you got this thing where it's like you can go to Google. You can type in any three numbers, any one you want. One, You can literally start with 111, 1112113. You can go through the whole thing all the way up to 1,000, and it will pull a news article showing that many number cases, right? Yeah. Weird things. And I'm, I'm not saying it means that COVID's a hoax. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. anything. It's not a disease. I'm just saying, like, it's weird. The whole thing's mm. been weird. Yeah. Dr. Fauci doesn't know. You know, yeah. like not everything. Trump doesn't know. Yeah, he doesn't know everything. You know, yeah. your your physician isn't gonna totally know. Your mom yeah. certainly doesn't totally know. The guy you're arguing with on Facebook doesn't you know, yeah. I just think it's like let's take a step back, let's just kinda like chill out, you know, because mm-hmm. people are like going to war over yeah. Oh, yeah. over like a mask. Yeah. You know, like going to yeah. war over a mask. It's mm-hmm. like come on. If that guy wants to wear one, let him wear one. If he yeah. doesn't want to wear one, whatever. And if if someone doesn't want to go to the bar, that's fine. Yeah. Like, we're not forcing right. you to go to a bar, nightclub, or If you gym. don't want to go to the gym, don't go. But we have to be careful when we start taking people's rights away. It's, because it's slippery slope, man. Here's another yeah. example. It was in New York. They were going to outlaw 44-ounce drinks. Do you, do you <laughs> remember that? No. So they, they, this is a few years ago. So <laughs> okay. to combat obesity. Oh, So 44-ounce right. well, so yeah. fountain drinks, sure. right? Sure, right. But the argument was... You know, I have my freedom of choice. You know, we can't outlaw cigarettes, right? Even though we know how bad they are. Do we outlaw Snickers and Skittles? I know. Where do do we outlaw alcohol? Where do we draw that line? That's all I'm saying. It's 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 a difficult. Well, you road. can't you can't market or like so you can have an out or an alcohol commercial, but they can't drink it, right? That's like a law. Oh, is that the law? They yeah, they, they can't right. consume it. Or even like it. in a locker room. Yeah. Well, yeah. So they can't, they, they can, can show you the alcohol, but they it, can't yeah. drink it, right? But you can, you know, have a Frosted Flakes commercial where, right. you know, kids pound in literally like 600 milligrams of sugar, you know? Right. 
That's what's yeah. good. I don't it's, know. Weird times. I don't know. As a physician, so or a provider, I've been in these provider forums. I remember one provider was in there saying that I am denying sports physicals. And I said, well, that due to COVID, not to medical problems. So we clear, you know, kids so they can go play basketball or baseball or whatever. And kids need sports. It's good for them. Like, you know, we try to see if they have like some heart abnormality that needs to be checked. And so they don't have sudden death on the, on the yeah. basketball court. Right. But this, per, this provider was going above and beyond and just denying it because of COVID. And oh, I said, not letting anyone? Not at all. And I said, that's not okay. That's not the intention. You can recommend that's fine. But as a provider, we have to also stay in our own lane. Like I can't, I can tell you to wear your mask. I can tell you that you should quarantine from home. I can't demand it. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't create the laws. I can't deny your child a sports physical, um, based off of my feeling, you know, and, and my, that's fine. But you know, it's, I think a lot of it's good intention, but bad outcomes. Yeah. I'm hearing that, that whole thing again of like your rights end where mine begin, you know? So you're, you think you have a right not to wear a mask. Well, that interferes with my right to, I don't know, like not be killed by your, in, you know, your decision. It's like this weird crappy little feedback loop Mm -hmm. that I, I don't know, man, it, it, that's the kind of stuff that when I think on it too long, my brain starts to turn to mush. I'm like, I'm done. I got to, I got to listen to some Gary Vee or something. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, <laughs> I gotta yeah. feel good it's all negative. Or it's all conflict. It's so yeah. conflict. Everyone, it's just yeah. conflict, conflict, conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Facebook, I swear, like the algorithms must be just to cling to that. Because if if you just go through your comments. newsfeed, it's like all the all the stuff that's like the most like Fauci says a hundred thousand a day. Like, you know, I don't know. Trump was wrong on this other thing, and well, we he's, actually, he's taking this drug. You know, it's like well, nothing. It's just stuff to piss people off. This is a quick tidbit, but yeah. Facebook is actually being boycotted because they're stifling messages, um, usually conservative and certain companies and things like that. Coca Cola just pulled the ads from Facebook seven billion dollars for a month because Facebook, which we gotta we gotta talk about this discussion. There is freedom of speech. You know, you may have someone on Facebook that is promoting flat earth you're allowed to do that but if someone says something else that can be taken down that's a slippery road well it's it's even weird because they're even taken out not to get too into flat earth mm. but like youtube has been uh YouTube's pulling been doing it. they'll yeah. pull a flat earth video but like really. a porn star she can have her like come come check me out little promo mm. and it's like well that's kind of you know really where do you draw the line? And have you met? That's and have you or not met? Have you seen some of these people who, who comb through like media all day and they pick? No. Some of them are like very fanatical people. Oh really? I mean, whether it's left or right, like you shouldn't be like this like yeah. openly fanatical person mm-hmm. who is the person who determines whether a tweet or a Facebook post should be banned or not. Like I don't know, man. It's really weird. It's really strange. And then there's the whole argument that like yeah you have freedom of speech but you're using a this is a private company you're using okay their, so that's their fine. business but then we know. need to we need to put regulation then then we should Just all leave regulation yeah you know Facebook's getting in trouble actually yeah. for uh, uh kind of like a pump and dump scheme you know how people pump up a stock uh, stock in a business and then they mm. they sell all their shares to make a lot of money oh, that's illegal that. you can't do that yeah so what Facebook has been caught doing I think I don't want to misspeak but that's what I heard is that they're creating fake bot accounts to elevate like oh we have this many billion users where 700 million are fake accounts mm-hmm. that that they've created you know i don't know i hear mm. stuff like that and it always makes me really you know think deeply about even using them but then i still have it's it, the big still, it. We're yeah. all <laughs> still on it but i need it yeah. oh i need it yeah. yeah i gotta promote this that's how you see our <laughs> podcast and stuff yeah like that. i pay them <laughs> well do you have any last thoughts man i mean Ah man, last thoughts. Get outside, jog, drink water, check out Zinc D three. Be nice to your providers. Yeah. Okay, it's really hard. Give them a big old kiss on the lips. Just be respectful. <laughs> Walk right up to them, yeah. kiss them. Like everyone's burned out <laughs> of medicine. People are quitting. People are sick. Like if you're seeing fifty patients a day, and I get one patient that's rude, that makes it hard. Like mm. be respectful. You know, yeah. like try to understand. Like. I had a patient the other day who was really rude to me. It just makes it really hard for me. I'm just like, I'm like, it doesn't make me want to see that patient when they're just blatantly, you know, rude. I don't know. Like the waiter, sometimes they're having a bad day. I don't try to go overboard with it. Like even my steaks, medium, 
not medium rare, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I still eat it. Yeah, like, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I still I tip, you know, like I'm tipping more yeah. right now. I don't know, but that's my thought. And then we do a quote at the end. Oh, we do a quote. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, so. Daddy quotes. Oh, I like this one. There are only two sorts of doctors. Those that practice with their brains and those who practice with their tongues. Mm-hmm. William Osser, one of the first founding physicians of John Hopkins Hospital. Kind of interesting because yeah. that's a long time ago. I like that. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Cool people. Well, you can check this out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Uh, you can check us out on jackedpod.com. That's J-A-K-D-P-O-D.com. Mm-hmm. And Gary, where can people find all your new business ventures? Yeah. So my handle is uh, thebalancedlifemd.com. And then on Instagram, it's at thebalancedlifemd. Sweet. Thank you for coming on. Too. Yeah, yeah, thanks again. Thank you, yeah, guys. It. Always a pleasure. Our first in-person double guest. I know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because COVID's scaring everyone away. Everyone just wants to do Zoom calls. Yeah. Which, <laughs> Zoom's okay, but... Yeah, it's not the same as It's not person, the same, right? dude. No, it's not the same. It's not. We need a studio. We're working on it. I'll have a room eventually. Yeah. yeah that's we'll get next, it. Next step. Oh, yeah. All, All right. right thank guys. you, everybody. Take care. Yeah. Bye.